0: ...whom as many as there are here. And on, November, on April the 19th, 1943, I had none. I remember Bill's first trip to Dallas in Texas. And we worked very hard for about two weeks, I mean about two months, for his trip down there. And we kind of looked on Bill at that time as being the head man from the home office. And he came there, and one of our very best members after working hard for that length of time, proceeded to be royally plastered. And then we met Bill, and I found out he was just another guy just like us. So I don't have to feel like I'd be careful about what I say now if Bill's here because he's just another drunk. I'm not going to tell my story prior much to AA, other than I had a lot of trouble. i have been in lots of psychopathic... Wards in large cities. I was a city boy. And I've been in jails, I don't know how many times, about 200 times. Short terms, some of them, some of them as long as 30 days. And then prior to the 19th day of April 1943, i just completed 32 months behind bars in the state insane asylum. Uh, people up north call the hospital, but down in Texas, it's a nut house to us. I know fellows who have been in the penitentiary and been in the Saint Asylum both, and they'll take the pen any day. When I'd come into AA, I had lost everything in life that was dear to me, including a wife and two children. I didn't have a friend in the world, including my mother and my father, because I was committed to this institution for the rest of my natural life, and there I was to stay, and life was very dark. Prior to that time, I had been in some good hospitals. One of them was Menninger's in Topeka, Kansas. I stayed there six months, went there voluntarily and spent a lot of my own money, and the whole time I was there, I lied to the doctor. While I was in this institution, I read everything during these 32 months that I could possibly get a hold of about mental disturbances mental illnesses and what little they had about drinking, I was firmly convinced that I had some definite form of psychosis. I had been definitely labeled five different forms of insanity. One at a time, I'd have one moniker for about 60 days or 90 days, and they'd change and say, no, that isn't it. They'd give me another one. So finally they ended up by saying that I uh, didn't have any psychosis, but there was something wrong with me. They didn't know what it was. It didn't make a lot of difference to me because I knew I was going to be there for the rest of my life. I never had a visitor the 32 months I was there because I was brought down there on a stretcher from St. Louis, Missouri, where I had been living at the time. And when I came to, I was sitting next to a man with a white coat on. I didn't know at the time, but he was a doctor. He said, Vern, he said, do you know where you are? And I said, no, I think I'm out in the county. And he said, what county? And I said, why, St. Louis County. He said, why do you think that? And I said, well, I can see the trees out here. It looks like country. Usually I've been in places where it was the city. And he says, no, son, you're about 900 miles from there. He says, you know what day it is? And I said, no. He said, well, you know what month it is, don't you? And I said, oh, sure, I know what month it is. And he said, what is it? And I said, it's May he says, No, my boy, it's the second day after Thanksgiving. I had been out mentally for over six months. I can't remember any of it. It's just as dark as if I try to remember before I was born. Well, there I stayed, and I finally became acclimated to the fact that I'll be here forever. And I repeat again that life was very dark. After I'd been there 29 months, I ran ac- uh, across a book. Named Alcoholics Anonymous. It got there by a girl named Esther Elizardi. Thank God for Esther. I read this book, and for the first time in my life, I read something about myself. And I stayed up all night. I read that I was not alone. I wasn't the only SOB in this world that had run out of a wife and kids. I found out there was it said then that there were 7,000 other guys like me And today it's over 120,000. It said that I was sick. It didn't tell me that I didn't have any backbone, that I was uh, a bum. It didn't say that I was no good and spineless and a drifter. It said that I had a mental obsession of the mind coupled with a physical allergy, and that made sense to me. It told me that I had a compulsion of some kind to drink, and then after I started drinking, I couldn't stop unless I ran out of money, which usually didn't work, or else I got locked up. The next day I went to the psychiatrist there, and I said, Doc, how long have you been a psychiatrist? And he said, 38 years. Now in a nut house, you can say anything you want, and they can't do any more to you. (laughs) I told him what I thought of his opinion, as a doctor. Of course, I was wrong. And for the first time in all these months, I showed fight. He saw a change in me, and he says, Vern, what have you been reading? And I said, you ever heard of this outfit? I had this book, one of the original editions. He looked at it, and he said he'd he'd heard of it, but that's all. So I said, Doc, will you please read this book? And he said he would. And I thought I'd hear from him maybe six months or a year, because they talk in years in those places. But the third day, he called me, and I went in his office, and that book was laying on his desk, and he said, Vern, I'm going to get you out of here. And I said, what made you change your mind? He said, that book. He said, that is, I'll never forget it. He said, that is the finest book I have ever read on human nature. I said, yes, Doc, I found out what I am. I'm an alcoholic. He said, well, that's what I've been telling you all these years. I said, no, you haven't been telling me anything, Doc, because you don't know what an alcoholic is. You haven't ever bent an elbow over a bar and drank yourself into oblivion. You've never gone in a hotel room and locked yourself up and knocked yourself out. The only thing you know about alcoholism is what you read in a book that was written in 1911. You don't know what I think about, what my dreams are, about the terrible sense of guilt that I've always got, about something that I haven't done, but I don't know what the feeling is. So how can you help me? And he says, my boy, I'm going to get you out of here. I said, what makes you change your mind? He's that book. I said, how are you going to do it? You've told me all these years that I can never get out of here. The law's got me here. My father's got me committed for as long as I live. He says there's angles. It took him three months to do it. And the day I left there, he called me in his office and he said, Vern, you're what's known as a malicious and a vicious type of drinker. Go find these people if you have to walk to the ends of the world. And I would have. He says, but when you leave here, remember this, you're going to get drunk again. And I was firmly convinced that after all those years of hell, including that 32 months in that horrible place of those sick people, that I was cured I'd never take a drink. And my friends, I was drunk in 24 hours. Well, I was on Skid Row for 10 days, but I had this girl's name pinned in my vest pocket, I mean my watch pocket. When I left this place, they didn't give me a new suit of clothes and a $10 bill I could do the penitentiary. I had an old black coat and a pair of khaki pants. I didn't even own a tie. I never owned a toothbrush. I never even had a razor. I had 22 cents in my pocket and a half a sack of bull derm. And they turned me loose on a right open world and said, stay sober. And I couldn't do it. I came to about 10 days later. I don't mean I was blacked out all the time, just periods. And I got to a hotel r- room in a little honky-tonk hotel in Dallas, Texas, on what they call Deep Elm, And I called this girl. And I met Esther. Thank God I met Esther. Now slowly through the years since then, first of all, I begin to regain my self-respect. I have never got that wife back or the mother of my two children. I have never got those two children back. I didn't see my little boy, who was twenty months old when I left him, and I didn't see him again until he was ten, and that was a year ago this past February. I don't need those people to keep me sober—nobody can keep me sober—but myself, and through a power greater than myself, which whom we know is God. Slowly I worked in this program, and as the speaker before me said that the essence of this program is humility, I'm going to practice it now in my own way. He made a mistake the chairman, I have not been sober eight years. I've been an Alcoholics Anonymous eight years. I had a wreck about a year ago. Because I let this insidious disease or illness come back on me. And it wasn't Alcoholics Anonymous fault, of course it was my own. We say in AA that it doesn't make any difference how long you've been sober, it's the quality of it. And that's true, but I'd rather have me eight years under my belt than a one. I hate to stand up here and say that, but I wouldn't be honest with myself. I wouldn't be honest with Al. I wouldn't be honest with Jimmy. I wouldn't be honest with Mary Beth. I wouldn't be honest with Bob or Mildred or my friends who know me personally, if I said that. To me, Alcoholics Anonymous has definitely saved my life and the people that I love. I can't mess with that. Through this program, which to me is just a way to live, in a normally contented and I'm happy most of the time. These are things that I found in life that I never had prior to my drinking. During the 30s, I was in St. Louis what is known as a playboy. And if you don't know what a playboy is, Jimmy Meek says that's a tramp with money. (laughs) And that's what I was. But I lost all that. Now, in the past few years, I have regained, first of all, my self-respect. I have more friends than I ever had in my life, and they're the kind of guys and gals that will stay with you, even whether you're right or wrong. My mother and father now accept me, and above all, I have a faith and an understanding in my own way of God that I never had before. That's the thing that the doctors can't give us. And with all respect to the clergy, and I know that Father Fowl will be the first one to agree with me, they couldn't help me until another drunk like myself came to me with this message and delivered it. This girl, Esther, last Wednesday, had her 10th birthday in Dallas. How many thousands of people are dry as a result of Esther's work? I don't know. And there's hundreds of good Alcoholics Anonymous members who carry the message every day as a result of her work. Those are a few of the immaterial things that I've gained. A few of the material. When I left St. Louis on a stretcher in 1940, I was with one of the largest life insurance companies in the world, the Connecticut Mutual. And when I left there, they were through with me for good. After 10 years to the month, I was back with the same company. I went up to the home office in Hartford, Connecticut a year ago last February. And that's the first time I saw my little boy in almost 10 years. I got up there and I found out at the home office that there's thousands a day of applications that go over their desks, applications for life insurance where there's some drinking problem involved, to some degree up to where they're absolutely known as chronic and acute alcoholics. And they were very interested on this subject, and they were particularly interested in how this all happened to me, and I told them as I'm telling you. I tell this message whenever I can and wherever I can. I have no more sense of shame in standing here and saying I'm an alcoholic oh, than I would say that I'm a recovered diabetic or arrested case of tuberculosis. That sense of shame is completely removed. And I thank God for that. Last summer I got married, and I did one of the things that all of us alcoholics are noted for. We always do the thing we say we'll never do. I always said I'd never marry an alcoholic woman, and I did. And she's here, and she's doing wonderful, and she's helping me. This afternoon coming up on a plane with Al from, uh, from Dallas to show how this little program works in our daily lives. I jumped on her about knocking some cigarette ashes on my lap. And Al jumped on me and said, You better take your inventory. You're not being tolerant. Nobody was angry. But it works every day in our lives. Every night when I go to bed, I must stop and think of what I did today that I shouldn't have done. And that isn't so important, but the important thing is why did I do it? And then I try to figure out why I did it, and I ask God to help me not to do it tomorrow. I know that I'm going to go on doing that until the day I die. And I know that as long as I do that, I'll never drink again. Because last summer, for a period of three months, I didn't do those little things every day. And the inevitable happened. And I am sorry. Because I believe that the finest 12-step work that anyone can do is just stay sober. Because everybody watches us day by day. And Alcoholics Anonymous is judged by its individual members, and not as a whole. That's yesterday, and it's water over the dam. For what little I have today, if I could have kept these things prior to Alcoholics Anonymous, or we'll say prior to 1941, I would have done it. I mention this, and I certainly don't mention it egotistically. It only goes to show what can happen. In 1938, I was president of Junior Chamber of Commerce, City of St. Louis, a town of approximately a million, the youngest one they ever had. For the same year, I was elected as the outstanding young businessman for 1938. And in three years, I'm an estate in St. asylum. In those days, material things were the things that I relied on, and they failed me. Now, some of those material things I've gotten back, plus a lot of immaterial things that I never did have. If these things are coming to me now, it goes without saying, and it's a cinch that I'm not doing it. Because if I could do it, I would have done it before. And that's what was the right matter with me. I had a case of eyes. This program, as we know, is a we deal. There's 226 words in our program. And not once, as I mentioned. It's all we. Because we know we can't do it alone. We need help from each other and through God in every day of our life. So when I say that I'm grateful to Alcoholics Anonymous and to the men who went through those early years of battling alone and staying sober, we know what this program will do. To me, Alcoholics Anonymous is the greatest spiritual force on earth today or ever was. I have a conscious contact with God as I understand him every day. And when I'm in trouble, I ask for his help like we all do. Me staying up here today is just for me taking a little bit more insurance against having a wreck- Someplace else down the line. This is my way of 12 step work. I also do the other 12 step work. But I also try to practice these principles in my daily affairs as I understand them. For all this, I'm grateful to everyone in this room and every AA all over this country. Thank you.